After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. A couple of friends of ours are some fantastic nonprofit leaders. Um, They started an organization a few years ago, and what's interesting about this organization is they are very, very clear on what they do with their money. Um, They dig wells and they plant churches. That's all they do. And what's interesting about their organization model is when you talk to them, um, they're very focused on here's how much money it costs to dig a well. And that's how kind of they start conversations is if you pay this much, we dig a well. And in that, they're able to explain people need water. People need fresh water. They're in these places where people are having to walk miles a day for water. People need water. And you can immediately understand what the vision is, understand why it matters, and understand, wow, it's less than $1,000 to dig a well. Oh my gosh, we can absolutely do that. And from there, they're able to say, so we dig wells and we plant churches. We want communities to know that the church is where they can come to get the water And then they can also learn about faith. Um, And that part of the project is actually the more expensive part of the project. It's a few thousand dollars to plant the church, um, to build the building, to get everything going. But they're so clear on here's where the money goes and here's the impact that it makes. And they communicate the highest and best value. Um, They communicate the highest and best value for someone's physical needs. Water. We need mm-hmm. clean water. And then they communicate the value on the spiritual side of they need a place where they can go to church. And the churches need a building because of the, communi- the community and the climate and whatever else it might be. But because they're so clear, as someone looking from the outside in, you're able to see, oh, I understand this model. Now, what's interesting about them is when you dig in, they have other stuff that they do. If you buy a freshwater ministry shirt... Most of them are made by women in the, in the communities that they're supporting in order to facilitate job creation. Um, a which lot is of, really cool. Which is awesome. They had one of their pastors who oversaw a few different churches, so they actually had a fund to like buy him a motorcycle. Um, they've which had is these, really good. Really good. They've had <laughs> these other things that they do, and yet when you talk to them, they dig wells and plant churches. It's where the vast majority of their funds go, and it's easy easy to communicate to other people. And donors are able to say, yes, that is the highest and best value. They're not running their organization saying, we dig wells, we plant churches, we buy motorcycles, we do job creation, we do all of these different things in the communities. And donors are saying, but why? Is it worth it? Is it working? What's happening? Where's my money going? I have so many questions. What is going on? They have been willing to narrow down their scope so much that it's really, really easy for people to get involved and to help. And I'll do a quick plug for them. We had them on the podcast a while ago. This is something you're interested in seeing how something is done really well. Or to help, go to FWM for freshwaterministries.world. So here is the crazy thing. I think it is so easy for nonprofit leaders to get in the weeds and to see everything because we got everything 
up close to our face. We are in the middle of the woods and we're trying to explain to somebody what the woods is. And we're like, well, there's a tree and there's plants and there are animals that live in the woods. And it's like, they just want to know what the woods is, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, it's just a bunch of trees, you know, like, (laughs) but when you're in it, it is so hard to back up for a second and think, what can they process right now? What do, what do they care about learning about the organization? And in the case of Freshwater Ministries, they've done a fantastic job of boiling it down to what are the like one, two things that are like the most essential piece. It's the minimum viable product mm-hmm. of the organization. I think sometimes this comes from as um, nonprofit leaders knowing that we need to ask for funds from other people and that we are relying on donations, sometimes there's this feeling of, I need to justify the money that you're giving me. And if you, I'm hoping that you're going to give me more money. So I want to make sure you know that I'm busy, that we have a lot going on, that we are doing all these things. And so sometimes it becomes like, well, we do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And we think the more projects we have. The more um, likely is people will give us money. Mm-hmm. When the reverse is actually true, the more focused we are, the more likely someone is to give money. Because if you have an organization that has 10 different things that they're doing and they're having a hard time quantifying the impact, because when you give a little bit to a lot of places, it's hard to know if you're really developing something that's going to help the communities long term. Yeah, really making a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, where on the other side, if it's like, we dig wells, we plant churches. Well, how's it going? Well, we've dug 11 wells and we're building our 10th church right now. Oh, so it's working. Yes. Like, which which <laughs> one are you going to? Like, if you had $100, which one are you going to be more likely to give to? Right. Especially if you're thinking long term, like, what is the impact going to be? Are you helping out a community by bringing in a bag of rice today? Or are you helping a community by bringing in um, something that's going to allow them to thrive and flourish in a specific aspect for weeks or months or years. And the thing that we worry about as nonprofit leaders is like, if I get too focused, if I get like too much of a niche, people who don't care about digging a well are not going to want to donate to me. So if I diversify and I give all these products and I try to become like Walmart rather than becoming like a boutique store, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be able to get a lot more uh, sales, basically. I'm going to be able to attract a lot more donors because, like, man, Walmart, everybody shops at Walmart. But here's the problem. Walmart's real <laughs> – I'm getting into Walmart now. But Walmart's real thing that they excel at is inventory management. It's not um, on quality products. Mm-hmm. People don't shop at Walmart to get the best of something. They shop at Walmart to get the cheapest of something. And if you're structuring your organization to to operate like Walmart and that it does all the things, like people are going to connotate that with the value that you bring, which is going to be, it's not going to be that great for the person on the back end. And so especially when it comes to nonprofit like charities and things, people want to know that on the other side of their dollar, somebody is getting a quality experience Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, like if you're if you're feeding somebody in a in a different nation that doesn't have food, you're hoping that we're, you're not just buying popcorn for them. You know, you're hoping that they're getting the nutrients that they need, 
all the stuff, maybe even like ways to to make their own food, like stuff like that, right? And so if you approach the situation with like, we do all these different things, they're going to assume that you have a crappy product on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to donate to something like that. Yeah. Or, I mean, especially if you're looking at an organization that just doesn't have the manpower behind it to facilitate all the projects. And that doesn't mean that you need all of the different people. But if you're saying we do 10 different things and people know there's only one of you or there's only two of you, then in their head they're saying, wait, how? That's not possible. If this all was stateside, you couldn't run all these things with two people. This doesn't make sense. So it really becomes an issue of um, communication in a way where people, when they ask, where does the money go? Something about what you've communicated already tells them. And when someone says, if I give you $20, where does it go? Having an answer that is incredibly clear. Sometimes having the, oh, it could go here, it could go here, it could go here. That can be really overwhelming for people. And a lot of times they'll say, I don't know how $20 will make a difference in any of those places because I don't know what they're doing. And so it is being willing to boil down what you're doing and having that one central focus and that one central theme that allows you to expand when you need to in strategic and careful ways because you don't want to dilute your message and you don't want to dilute your vision. While at the same time, not straying away from what you're telling people so that they know that they can trust you long term. So, for example, with our friends Ben and Anna, when they started, it was Digwell's Plant Churches. And then they, they needed to get some T-shirts and they just happened to know someone in one of the communities who then had knew this person who did the screen printing on the T-shirts. And it kind of turned into this thing. But even when they were selling the T-shirts, it was still this money goes towards digging wells and planting churches. And if anyone asked, well, where do you get the shirts? They would explain a little bit more like, oh, this is a cool byproduct. It's kind of a cool, exciting. It's a spinoff. It's a perk. It's a a bonus. It's, you know, and people who are business minded are like, oh, that's really cool. They're thinking through all the ways, but they're not getting off mission. They're thinking through all the ways, but they're not spreading themselves so thin that you start to wonder, oh, is this is this going to work long term? Right. So it really is about knowing what your core feature is versus what your bonuses are. Mm -hmm. And when people ask, where does the money go? You better be structured in a way that your core feature is getting the vast majority of what you're saying the money goes to. Mm -hmm. And then those bonuses can still happen, but they need to be not the core feature. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't have 10 core features. And it's like, and, and, this is the tough thing because as nonprofit leaders, we want to make the world a better place. And there are so many problems. There are just so many problems and so many problems are like interconnected and interweaved with each other. Like the reason the fact that there isn't water in a place is also contributing to the fact that there isn't food in a place and there aren't jobs in a place. Like they're just, everything is interconnected. And so it's really, really easy to get sidetracked by seeing a need. Mm -hmm. And that is a worthy problem like, that's a good problem to care enough. But we have to recognize that we aren't able to do everything. It makes way more sense to figure out who can I partner with that has a, that core feature. Mm-hmm. If I really care about that core feature, I need to partner with someone who that's their focus. So that yes. way we can, like, link arms together and actually help each other grow. That's a way smarter way to do it 
then to try to figure out like how can I add another spoke onto my organization uh, that is just going to dilute the messaging and make people have a what's that called option paralysis or, or oh yeah it's it's totally Absolutely. a thing you give, if you give people hey do you want this or this they're gonna pick one and it'll be easy for them but you give them twenty options they're like uh and they they they're way more likely to not pick any because there's just too much stuff to choose from like today we're gonna go and we're gonna go get cookies it's gonna be awesome they only have a few options because it's a special cookie place but <laughs> like if i go to a restaurant where it's like a million things on the menu i'm gonna be like ah it's gonna take forever for me to figure out what i actually want to give to and some places i avoid going to because their menu is so big mm-hmm. and i'm like i just don't want to have to choose right now and here's another issue too so we go to a store around here i'm guessing most places have them aldi um i aldi. like to shop at aldi they have one of everything i go in i buy what i want and I, they have ketchup they it don't sounds have weird, like a million ketchups but i don't like choices and then one day i, I would went, almost rather take a, an inferior product than have too many choices yeah <laughs> Another day I went to a different store and I needed some cooking spray and I'll never forget this. I walked in and I was so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed by the number of choices, the types of cooking spray, the um, flavors, the, the flavors, brands. what they did, all of the different things. I got so overwhelmed. I walked out of the store. I just didn't <laughs> buy it. I say, you know what? We have butter. We can make it work. Like that was literally... <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was it's just true, like, though. There's like five different brands of cooking spray, and each brand of cooking spray has like uh, canola oil base, vegetable oil base, and then they have like flavors and all this stuff. It's like, it was oh my gosh, so baking cooking much. Spray, the place I was at, I swear they had at least 30 options. And I was like, <laughs> I just want cooking spray. I left. Like, it's not <laughs> like I finally chose, but like, I, I literally left, didn't buy it. We made do without. Like, that's what I did. But think about this in the context of your nonprofit. If you have people looking at your site and they can't figure out what you do or how to give to different projects, or you have a drop-down menu and they have to choose one of 30 things, and they don't know what the highest and best use of their money is, at what point are they going to say, this is too hard, I'm just not going to. I, I can't make a decision today, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Or on the times I do go to a store and I'm not completely overwhelmed by the sheer number of options, you know what I look for? The cheapest price. Mm-hmm. And do you really want people on your site saying, okay, so apparently there's all these different things that we can do, but what's the least amount that I can spend while still getting that I'm a good person feeling I'm looking for? Yep. Like I want to help the cause, but I don't really know what helps the cause. And so maybe I'll just contribute 10 bucks and kind of move on my way. Mm-hmm. Like your vision and what you tell them you do is going to be much more compelling. If you say it costs a thousand dollars to dig a well, and I'm on the site going, man, I could give ten bucks to that, but twenty bucks is almost there. A hundred dollars is ten percent of that. Like it changes the conversation. Then from hey, here are eight different options, and you don't know what the impact of any of your dollars is going to be, but go ahead and choose one and give what you feel comfortable with. Like, which one is it going to be? Because I know if I have too many options, I go for the cheapest or I leave. And that might Mm -hmm. sound really weird to people who just really enjoy shopping. (laughs) Because I know some people love having all the options. But for a lot of people, they want to know, especially when they're giving money to an organization and they don't have control over the outcome. And they're not walking out of a store with a product in their hand. 
but they're walking away saying, I'm, I hope I made a good choice with my money today. I only have so much available to give. I gave where I thought it was going to make the best, the highest and best impact. Are you showing them what that highest and best impact is? And let's just be clear here for a second. This might be sort of like an unpopular thing to say, what I'm about to say. But the people who want to donate a lot of money are specifically looking for that. The people who donate five bucks here, ten bucks there, kind of don't. They're not. They're not as discerning about that kind of stuff. But if someone's got a ten thousand dollar check, they are looking for specific, high impact use of that ten dollars, ten thousand dollars. Because chances are, the the like, I mean, you know, every once in a while someone wins a lottery or whatever, and they just want to be generous. But usually, that person worked for that money. They're entrepreneurial. They're business minded. They know how money works. They know how economics works a little bit. They know how, you know, they know this stuff. They know how an mm-hmm. organization works. So they know that there's going to be some expenses for administrative costs. They, they understand all that stuff. So they're looking at, okay, if I give this, is this getting a good return on my invest? They're thinking investment wise. And you can, you can just imagine that they're going to be very discerning with that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, Really, if you want to see the amount of donors that are giving large gifts go up, you have to get better at this. I will also say, and since we're on the topic of unpopular opinions, <laughs> yay, <laughs> yay, let's let's be honest. Um, donors who are looking at things from that angle, um, when they are looking at a site and they see that it is incredibly scattered, there's not a clear mission, there's not a clear vision. Um, a lot of times they'll look at that as, is the leader of this organization, do they have the character to actually follow through on the promises that they're making? Ooh. Yeah, they're making those judgments. Guaranteed. I make those judgments all the time. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but my other business has a model where we are looking to expand so that we can give large quantities of money to a large number of nonprofits. Um, and that's how the business model has been made. But that also means that when someone asks for donations or they apply to receive donations, I look through everything that I can find about them before mm-hmm. making a decision. And if what I am finding is something that is incredibly scattered and I don't feel like I can trust the organization, I can't give my money there. There are so many organizations and a lot of times you're not competing based on cause. You're competing based on credibility. Yep. And if you can't show that credibility, one of the easiest ways to do it is to have a clear thing that you're doing and be able to show how you have executed on that in the past. Mm-hmm. And you don't you have, have to have focus. giant, you don't have to have it doesn't like have giant to be big results. Numbers. It just has to be clear and real. Mm-hmm. It has to be clear and honest. That is one of the quickest things where it's like, mm, this could be great or this could be a mistake. And if those things aren't vastly different numbers, if it's like a 50-50, let's just see how it goes. It's going to be really, really difficult for people who are looking to give um, like those larger amounts of money to feel like they can trust you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that I wish was different, but it's not different. And I know that's unpopular because a lot of nonprofit leaders are just like, but you just should. You just should give. I'm like, but you're asking people who don't know you personally to trust your credibility based on your inability to explain what it is that you do and the impact you're making. Right. Yeah. 
Right. And then that was kind of harsh. Also, if you do a good job, though, it's different. (laughs) (laughs) Way to turn it around. (laughs) It's really good. But really, like we have to be really good at at clearly showing where that money goes from the point that they write the check to the point where it turns into the impact and then even beyond like yes we dug a well but like what did that do mm-hmm. you know cool there's there's a well in a place awesome right this is where telling stories becomes so important and you know maybe like getting some interviews of some of the people who have been positively impacted by uh, your cause being able to show pictures being able to to basically have a receipt mm-hmm. like this is this is their receipt of this is what we accomplished you know we did yep. a fundraiser a while back uh actually partnering with freshwater ministries and one of the donors like donated like a large sum of money and there was not a promise of this on the front end but we felt it was really important to send a picture to that person of the well that they helped to build uh along with some of the villagers in the mm-hmm. area once the well was built. And um, that's really, really important. That's another step in the process of showing this is where the money goes. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that's going to garner more trust with donors. And again, maybe this is unpopular. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, if you're a, a money-grubbing person, chances are you're probably not running a nonprofit. <laughs> So I can say this, but donors of large money know other donors of large money. Yep. So you treat them well. You show them that they can trust your organization, that you're professional, that you know what you're doing, and that they can, you know, chances are they're going to talk to their other friend who owns a business and be like, hey, if you're looking to something to give to, I just gave this organization. It's great. We recommend organizations all the time to people. Mm-hmm. Um that are looking to find, you know, people will ask us actually like, hey, do you know any good nonprofits? Like, because we like, do. Yes. <laughs> we what do. are you interested in? Well, and, I'm kind of thinking about this. Okay, here are four. Which one do you want? <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's because those organizations have garnered a lot of trust with us by being exemplary in how they run things, being very clear on how the money is spent, and actually following through on on their promises like these are really really big deals because it's it's like the the seed of what could happen you know Mm -hmm. every time you have a donor is an opportunity for your message to spread um or to stop yeah and i will say too and this isn't um i want to be careful how i word this because i don't think anyone's trying to deceive people financially that's what I was just kind of like saying. Like, <laughs> But I do think that there's a certain level when you're running a nonprofit and you have a lot of different projects going on and someone says, I'm going to give you $2,000 for project A, that you hit a point with project B where you're like, we don't have the funds for this. Project A isn't really going right now. Maybe we could use the funds that so-and-so donated and since it's still going to the cause Maybe it would count. When we aren't um, kind of over and above in terms of how we are communicating what the vision is, but then also how we're showing that we're actually utilizing the funds that we are being given on the back end, it can put you in a position 
of having those stressful human moments where you start to wonder how you could reorganize things differently. What I love about um, like fresh water is it's so much like dig a well, plant a church. And there's the option that like you can just give to like whatever the general fund is. But because they're so clear on what their vision is, it's like, okay, I know where this money is going. And there's so much trust there that's like, and if they use this money for something different, I know that it was something that was needed in order to accomplish the larger picture and the larger right, scope. Right. No one's upset if, hey, you know what, like this, we, we just, we couldn't actually dig a well with this money because we had a large government problem mm-hmm. in this country and we had to like bribe an official. People are like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I see <laughs> this. Like, okay. A great example of this um, that I've seen first firsthand is at church sometimes. I've been in churches where they'll say, yes, you can bring your offerings here. It's what they call donations. You can bring your offerings here. And if you want to choose where it goes, it can go towards this or this or this or this. And sometimes you'll have people who are like, I'm willing to write this check if it goes toward a specific thing. And what that is showing is not that the person needs to be in control, but that that person doesn't trust the leaders. When you give them options, it might be a nice way for them to have input, but you have to remember that as the organizational leaders, you are boxing yourself in and how you can use the funds. And if the only way you can get donations is by making it so other people can choose, there's some sort of trust there that has not been adequately built where you can't just say, donate to me, here are some examples of the projects. But instead, you're having to say, if you donate to me, you can choose the specific project since apparently you haven't bought into the whole vision. Wow. There are other issues going on. (laughs) Yeah. Read into that and figure out how to adjust the way you're doing things so that you so that people feel comfortable and excited about donating to the general fund. Yeah. Now, like. I have a business. I'm not a nonprofit. I like, and being in for profit, there are different things that you do or don't have to show people that you're doing, right? Right. <laughs> but when I make donations to nonprofits that are in partnership with a client of mine, I'm very intentional to say, here's where it's going. Look, I gave it. Look, here's proof, like every step of the way. And not because I'm obligated to, but because I want that person to know I had a great experience with you. And you are like from A to Z, so above board with the part that pertains to me that I don't have to question whether or not it happened. Like that's something that we need to make sure that as leaders, whatever your sphere is, that you're staying so above board that no one ever asks the question, where did the money go? Hmm. Was the money properly used? Was the impact actually made? Or did you just line your own pocketbook? You never want those questions to come into play. And sometimes it kind of seems like, well, do I really have to be that diligent and over the top? And if you're asking that question, (laughs) you need to really consider why you're asking that question. And that's kind of a hard truth. But when it comes to nonprofits and money, asking for donations and money, anything to do with money, you have to go above and beyond. And if you're running into issues, the issue is not that there's not enough money in the world for you. Or for your organization, the issue is that you not have adequately built enough trust. 
And that's not the popular opinion. But it's <laughs> the one that's going to help. I know. Like, today is the day. <laughs> well, last episode, we talked about having hard conversations. Maybe we're just in the mood, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we have a question for you listeners today. And that is this. What is your core product? Your core thing that you are trying to do? And what are all of the ancillary kind of bonus things that happen along the way? Now, now that you know what those are, what when you're talking to somebody about what you do, what bonus things are you throwing in too often? What do you need to kind of snip off of that? You can keep doing the bonus things, but when you're communicating what it is that your organization does, we're going to encourage you to kind of prune off some of the stuff and really get down into the core message. So that wasn't really a question. It was more like an assignment. But if you have questions on that, you can always send us an email at office at LegacyBuildersintl.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 